Hello, and welcome to The Present, where everything happens. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark, and The Present is about mindfulness, which is paying attention to the present moment on purpose without judgment. Together, I hope we can be a little more mindful every day. And the present is the only place where you can affect change. This is KWNK LP 97.7 FM listener supported community radio in Reno, Nevada. On each show of the present, I'll share a part of mindfulness, what it means and what it can do to help improve your life. And then I'll give you a practice or two that you can start right away. Give it a try if you're ready to start now. Let me know if it works for you. Then I'll share a conversation with someone from the greater mindfulness community, many of whom are right here in Reno. Today's mindfulness topic is meditation. It's easier than you think. Being still and clearing your mind is really all you have to do. Have you ever stared off into the distance and just vegged out? You were meditating. Have you ever taken a walk in nature while not talking to your friends about what's going wrong or listening to music or doing anything else? You were meditating. There are hundreds of ways to do it, and if you're doing it at all, you're probably doing it right. Krishnamurti said that people want Well, this was quite a while ago. He said, people want a man to tell them how to do it and to give them a mantra, preferably in Sanskrit, and to take their money. And then they feel like they're doing it right. But you don't need any of those things. And he said at the time, you don't need any of those things. But that makes people feel like they're making more of an effort. It's really not a big effort. Meditation can be part of your self-care, and it has benefits for everyone. Hundreds of studies have been done showing that meditating regularly can decrease fear, decrease anxiety, decrease depression. People report more patience, increased focus, a longer attention span, and more calm in their life. Improved health, uh, as measured by things like blood pressure and heart rate. It provides many people with a calm that allows them to not get caught up in the drama that is all around us. Drama is attractive and addictive. And when you've practiced being calm and quiet, it's easier to pause and respond when drama comes calling instead of sliding down the fire pole into the heat of whatever seems to be happening. I sit on a cushion every morning and meditate. This is what turns many people off. Are you too hyper to sit still for that long? Is it uncomfortable? No problem. There are many ways, possibly infinite ways, to meditate. And you can make any activity into a meditation by being fully present, quiet, and still your mind. I have lots of ways to share with you today, so I'm going to jump into the practice portion of our show. But first, let's take a listen to a song. And the first song for today is one that always puts a smile on my face. It's called Cows Around by Corb Lund out of Alberta, Canada, 
off of his 2012 album called Cabin Fever. Kids, it's too late now, you know it is, you might as well admit 
But you're the badly flawed sentimental masochisticness And that despite all the statistics and the advice that you get You will always have cows around, yeah Everything is better with cows around Living in town sometimes brings me down Well, you won't know what you're missing till you hear that sound May you always have cows around May you always have cows around Welcome back to the present where everything happens. This is... Lisa Widmark on KWNK LP 97.7 FM in Reno, Nevada. And that was Cows Around by Corb Lund off of Cabin Fever, which came out in 2012. And we're ready for the practice segment of today's show, where I'm going to give you some things that you can add to your life today. Uh, do it right now if you're home relaxing or if you're driving or working uh, check out the notes on the website and try it later. Okay, so here are several ways that you can get started. Pick one and give it a try. If it doesn't fit for you, just pick a different one and give that a try. There isn't really a way to do this wrong. So first is a simple breathing activity called box breathing. It was designed originally... Uh, in the Navy SEAL program to help keep people focused when their lives depended on it. So, like the name implies, we're going to breathe in a square motion. So, it is inhaling. We'll start with a count of four. Inhale for a count of four. Then hold that inhale for a count of four. Then exhale for a count of four. And hold the exhale, so you have very little air for a count of four, and then inhale again. It can be uncomfortable when you first try it because you're slowing down your breathing and you're controlling it at all the parts. Uh, if you want to check it out with maybe a count of two, go two, 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 Um Eventually, you can get to where you're doing it to a count of six and holding the inhale for a count of six, holding the exhale for a count of six. It takes some focus, and that is part of what makes it so useful. So you're calming your breathing rate, you're lowering your heart rate, you're relaxing, but you're also putting your focus on your breathing and your body so it takes your focus off of whatever's stressing you out or distracting you. Box breathing is an activity that you can uh, use anytime, any place. People can't know, can't tell that you're doing it. And so if you're getting stressed out standing in line for something and you want to do it right then, it's an easy activity that you can use anytime. And for a lot of people, one box is enough to get them calmed down. Um, another one I like is color breathing. 
So if you, you would want to sit and relax and be comfortable, but you can really do it anywhere, even if you're in a stressful situation and think of a color that energizes you. Okay. And this is going to be different for, for different people. Mines are magenta, orange, yellow, reds, but I have clients that come up with colors. They're like black calms me down. So whatever it is for you is totally fine. And then another color that calms you. So once you've identified your colors, then you think of your energizing color on the inhale and breathe in that color and let it fill your whole body to fill you with energy and you have that color to support that. Then on the exhale, you relax all of your body and feel the relaxing color coming in. So for me, it's going to be inhaling magenta and exhaling aqua. And you could just do that two, three, four times to center yourself and uh, lose the attachment to any distractions that you're feeling at the time. If it happens to be a time when you need way more energy, just focus on that in-breath and bringing in the energy. If you're in a situation where you just need to uh, bring the stress level down or calm down or reduce your heart rate, then just focus on the calming out breath and the color that you feel calm about. Okay. Another one I'm going to try to explain because it's a sort of visual and we are not in a visual medium and it is called alternate nostril breathing. So Essentially, you are blocking one nostril at a time and either inhaling or exhaling. The cool thing about this one is that it, it does take a lot of focus. So whatever is upsetting you or distracting you or stressing you out, you really can't think about it while you're doing alternate nostril breathing. So the original way to do it is you put your index finger and your middle finger between your eyebrows and you block one nostril with your thumb. And then when you switch, you're going to block the other nostril with your ring finger. So you will start by inhaling on one side, switch and exhale on the other side, then inhale on that same side, switch and exhale on the other side. So it's an Exhale and then inhale on each side, but you start with the inhale so that you have to switch. Um, inhale, switch, exhale, inhale, switch, exhale, inhale, switch. It's purposely set up that way so that it's a little more complicated and it takes a little more of your focus and it forces you to pay attention to your breathing. So a lot of meditation is being still and focusing on something. So there's two main types. 
uh, a specific focus, like where you just focus on your breath. And when you get distracted, you bring your attention back to your breath. And another where you just relax and see what comes up. So there will be thoughts coming up on a regular basis, usually every three seconds. If you haven't been practicing meditation, that's how often people have thoughts that come up is about every three seconds. And just noticing those thoughts, maybe acknowledging them and then letting them pass. So let's say you're doing just a box breathing or the energy uh, color breathing. If you can do that for a full minute, you've already mastered a whole minute of meditation where you've eliminated 20 random thoughts that pop into your head because that's how often they usually pop into your head. So every three seconds would be 20 in a minute. So if you could meditate for a minute, that's a huge accomplishment. Give yourself a pat on the back. What I love about meditating is there's really no way to do it wrong. And a lot of people avoid it because they give it a try and there's thoughts that come into their head and distract them. And they're like, I'm no good at this, but that's not the case. What you're learning to do is notice, notice when you get distracted. And if you notice when you get distracted and you say, I'm going to bring my attention back to whatever it was I was focusing on, that is success. Okay. You can even congratulate yourself. Hey, I just noticed that I got distracted and I'm going to welcome my attention back to focusing on my breath. When uh, the average uh, meditator gets started, they're like, dang, I got distracted again. Dang, I got distracted again. Mm, that's not really what it's about. You're learning to notice where your thoughts go. So at the beginning, a lot of times you'll get distracted and that leads to another thought, leads to another thought, leads to another thought. And then your timer goes off and it's been however long you planned on, let's say five minutes. And you didn't notice once that you got distracted. That's where a lot of people start. As you practice, you'll notice sooner that you got distracted. And this is super useful in sports, at work, in relationships, that if you can notice when your mind is off task, it's great. And the sooner you can notice that it's off task, the sooner you can say, hey, let's pay attention to what we're trying to accomplish. Okay, next one is a walking meditation. So taking a walk, preferably in nature, and noticing the sights and the sounds and the smells and the sensations of touch and taste. This means that you are not doing anything else while you are taking a walk. So no music, no conversation, no podcasts. When you consciously choose to do something, you are actually choosing not to do all the other things. So making this decision up front uh, helps all of the other things from creeping in. 
This is not the time to reorganize a work project. A walking meditation can also be only walking and breathing. So if you're, you could do this walking down the hallway at work, you know, inhale, uh, inhale as you lift up your right foot and then exhale slowly as you put your heel and then the rest of your foot down and then inhale as you lift your left foot and exhale as you roll your foot onto the ground. Again, being as present as you can with all the sensations. You can feel your connection to the earth. As you push back on the earth, it pushes forward on you with equal and opposite force. Notice your body and your breath. We are very seldom this present, but that's all that meditation is. Okay, and our last practice uh, for today is eating. So eating can be meditative. This can really change your relationship with food. Eating is one of the most pleasurable activities that we do on a daily basis. Or you just scarf down some fast food and move on with your day and you hardly recall eating at all. But think of a time when you were eating a delicious meal and you got to that last bite and it was so good and you tasted it and you noticed the texture and the aroma and you savored it right till the end because there wasn't another bite to take. So we usually do that with uh, the first bite and the last bite. And the others, we kind of rush through while talking or watching television or reading. And even though it's hard to do all the time, if you do it once in a while, it's a wonderful way to uh, meditate, to notice things about your food, to slow down and enjoy things. And even if you try it once, it's worth it. Eating with your full attention on eating. So you're going to notice the colors on your plate, the aroma, the presentation, and then take a bite and notice the feel and the combination of flavors and textures. You're going to finish what's in your mouth, totally swallow everything before you take a before you fill up your fork again. So even if you just notice this part, that when we're eating, while you're chewing, you certainly have another fork full of food ready to go. And a lot of times, yeah, put that in your mouth before you're finished with the last one. Okay, that is not mindful eating, and it's not meditative. It's probably not as good for you. And, uh, and we miss a lot of the wonderful parts about eating. So taking a spoonful or a forkful one at a time. And you can take this even further where you consider where your food came from. All of the plants, the people, the animals, the machines, and the effort that was involved in getting that food 
from where it started as a seed someplace or as an animal someplace all the way to your plate. Okay. It's, it's an interesting way to uh, change your relationship with food. And certainly if you have any uh, overeating, undereating food issues, um, this is a way to, to start addressing those in a very mindful way. So I'm going to take another little break here and play a song that I love from an artist that I love. Uh, This is off the 2017 album called Love Rides a Dark Horse, and it's called Denver Girls by Gil Landry. Talisman and always spoke in flames. Found me on the road, half dead, looking for a change. Said, Hey, broken hearted man, quit standing in the door. If it's not paradise now, tell me what you're waiting for, don't you know? There is no Told me of her new religion To the sound of passing trains She tied me to that motel bed Left me to call her name And you know I've never been the same With those eyes like faded jewels And that crooked country smile That Denver girl, she drug me down A rough and ragged mile And you know It sure was worth a while Get one thing clear Many roads may get you there But none will take you here If you knew just where you are She said you wouldn't be so sad The only thing you ever lose Is what you think you have Don't you know It isn't good or bad Then she sang a lonesome ballad Like Nehemiah Curtis Jane That Denver girl stole my heart With every song she sang And you know I've never been the same 
Oh, those eyes like faded jewels And that crooked country smile That Denver girl struck me down A rough and ragged mile And you know It sure was worth while Okay, that was Denver Girls by Gil Landry off Love Rides a Dark Horse that came out in 2017. And you are listening to The Present, where everything happens, on KWNK LP 97.7 FM, listener-supported community radio in Reno, Nevada. I'm your host, Lisa Widmark. KWNK is listener-supported, and you can be one of those supporters. I'd like to thank some of our members, Jeff and Emily Spurlock, Irene DeHaan, and Maria Marshan. Thanks so much for being supporters of KWNK. We couldn't do it without you. My guest today is Kara Bradley, and she is the founding member of the Mental Fitness Collective and author of the best-selling book, On the Verge. Wake Up, Show Up, and Shine. She is also the host of the Daily Whispers podcast and did the very first mental fitness boot camp back in 2021. 2021? And in 2020, she was named by Mindfulness Magazine as one of the 12 most powerful women in the mindfulness movement. She uh, is also a yoga instructor and is connected with half a dozen organizations that help people be a little more mindful and and healthy, which is um, another aspect, I suppose, of mindfulness. But she was one of the people who started teaching me about the gut-brain connection and the gut-brain-heart connection and how uh, taking care of your body makes uh, everything else start clicking. She's... Um, involved in the mental fitness movement, which is, uh, which I'm going to ask you about instead of just me talking, Kara. Um, <laughs> it is so nice to have you here and uh, good morning, uh, afternoon good. where you are. And tell me a little bit about um, about what you're working on right now. Yeah, well, it's good to be here, Lisa. Thanks for having me on. I know you and I connected a few years ago, I think it was the height of COVID, and we were talking about mental fitness back then and gut-brain connection. And yeah, I could talk about this all day long. Um, so my my interest, my curiosities, and, and my work has always followed my personal experience. And I think that's probably the way it is for a lot of us. You know, what we start to feel personally, we start to research. And then I know for me, I just end up teaching it because I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for 30 plus years and it's always been in the body mind realm so my curiosity has gone from muscles and bones as a strength coach 
into more of the energetics as a yoga teacher and into the lungs and breath work and up to the mind and mindfulness and the brain, how the brain functions. Um, I've also done deep dives in mental performance and understanding flow states, and that has brought me back into the body, you know, so it's been this just incredible journey of discovery. And then about uh, five years ago, I learned about the gut brain connection. And that really blew my mind, no pun intended, because of all the stuff that I've studied and taught, I'd never even realized how much our gut health impact our impacts not only our mental health, but everything. And it's like the motherboard for all of our health and wellness. And I've learned just how much uh, our health is impacted by what we eat, how we sleep. I mean, it's obvious, but now we've got a lot of the science to, to support that our gut health truly does dictate so much of how we feel mentally and physically and emotionally. So when you say it's obvious, um, I've been uh, delving into that for maybe 10 years. You have gone way deeper than I have. Um, and it does seem obvious. When you're working with clients, when you're teaching people, when you're going out to big companies and presenting things, how obvious do you find that it is for most people that that they might feel like, oh, you know, all this stress is going on and it's causing all these issues in my gut and I'm having trouble with this physically and that maybe they don't, maybe they haven't come to that realization yet that that they have a lot of control and that a lot of it works the other way rather mm, than, you know, yes. you have you're stressed out and then it causes issues in your body instead of the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's interesting, Lisa, because I call myself a body mind teacher, not a mind body teacher. And there's a really, and it's a very intentional. And that is because how we feel isn't all in our head. And when we start to trust that our body is communicating with our mind, um, more than our mind communicates with our body, it's actually, it's a bi-directional communication, but most of it is going upstream from body up to mind. Then just as you said, we have a lot of control over how we feel mentally by really caring for our physical health. And that includes nutrition, sleep, movement, nature, and all of the pillars of health that we hear kind of ad nauseum out there. <laughs> you know, every email, every social media post is, uh, is about this. Um, and when we can start to trust that our body is communicating with us and really telling us what it needs all the time, uh, I think that we it puts us back in the driver's seat to start to really control um, and and drive how we want to feel in life. Do you feel like uh, stillness is, well, I was going to say, do you feel like stillness is a part of that? But I want to just say stillness is a part of that. <laughs> so <laughs> so where, does that, where does that fit in? Because a lot of times your body will be telling you more obvious things and the need for just being and and having a calm moment where there's nothing going on. For me, my body doesn't always say, hey, you need to just 
sit and be still and stare out the window or watch the birds or the clouds or do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if we were listening, our body would tell us, stop, slow down, take a break, go grab some water, get outside for a couple of minutes of sunshine, go to the bathroom, go eat something. Um, you know, it's, we're so conditioned. And I say we, because it's all of us. And I am not some, you know, Zen monk that is, you know, in stillness all day either. I'm a type A high performer like the rest of us, you know. So um, I'm just speaking from my own experience as well is that uh, when we allow our bodies to settle and be still, they will tell us before they scream, they'll whisper to us. Uh, exactly what we need. And, you know, there's lots of studies out there that show, in fact, there was one done in, in Finland, that just two minutes of silence and stillness can regulate your nervous system. And But we we spend so much of our time in this chronic stress, in this jacked state of being, that uh, we don't even hear. We don't even hear the call. I like that two minutes is is enough to make a difference. I did a quick series on Instagram called Give Me a Minute, where it's like, okay, you don't have time to do this. It doesn't take any time. We're going to spend one minute just breathing or some other activity to slow down for just just 60 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I always tell people, you don't have to meditate because a lot of people it's all or nothing it's like a light switch it's on or it's off i'm either doing all these practices or i'm doing nothing at all and watching you know youtube on you know forever um you don't have to do anything because our bodies are intelligent and the genius of our body brain and body mind is that it's always seeking balance it's, it's a survival mechanism. It's seeking this homeostasis. So if we just took the hands off the steering wheel and just stopped everything, unless we were in a high anxiety state, our body would actually find its way back to just a sense of being calm and clear, which is our optimal state of balance. It's just this sense of being alert and awake in the world, yet also calm, relaxed, and at ease physically. So you know, what I feel like I do a lot in my work is I pick up my pom-poms and I, I dare to say <laughs> I was a I was a cheerleader in high school, but I feel like I've never stopped cheerleading for our genius, our innate genius. And that's what I, what I wrote a book about was our natural state is available to everyone. Look at children. Look at, you know, people that, that live very simple lives. They just, they know how to just settle into a natural state of, of calm clarity. And it's available. It's in us all. You haven't lost it. So even if you're someone who is a type A personality or you're working two jobs or you have a lot of, a lot of things going on in your life, all of those uh, practices are still available to you and don't really take that much time. I try and tell people that they don't take any time at all because if you spend, let's say you spend five minutes a day in doing any of these practices, 
it really adds more time to your day because you're calmer and you're um, more focused and you can get more done. So if you spend five minutes, you get at least five minutes back is how I, yeah. I usually look at it, that it it creates space and it creates time in your day. Yeah, it's, it's great. I remember uh, hearing Eckhart Tolle, who wrote The Power of Now, he said, if you want to make time stand still, just be present. Be present for whatever mm. you're doing. He has so many great quotes, but I, lo- I <laughs> love that, that, that uh, if your time is going too fast and, uh, uh, you know, in our society, certainly people feel like oh, I'm running out of time and I don't have enough time to do that and I have to rush from thing to thing. And when you're totally present, uh, man, time stands still. I, I do quote him on a regular basis. Um, so are you working on some new project? There's something that just came out, something that's just uh, happening now that I yeah. got a message um, about in the wind? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just came out with my second course for mindful.org called Mindful Movement 2. So a few years ago, we put out Mindful Movement 1. And these are video courses that you can do. They're self-directed that help to help people to understand the power of movement. Now, there are physical practices that I offer, but um, as uh, you know, throughout the course, but the, the courses are really about helping to establish a new relationship with movement because so many people have these warped ideas of exercise. And in fact, I ask people here in the second course, to banish the word exercise from their vocabulary. And I'm, I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist. I mean, I've done a lot of deep dives into how to build fitness in the body, but I do feel like the fitness industry has hijacked the word exercise or fitness and movement from us because, um, you know, again, there is this these ideas that we carry and we accumulate We accumulate it because of um, social media and the news and the articles and our friends and peer pressure. And we accumulate all of these things we think we should be doing when movement is our birthright and we can learn to move in so many different ways. And so I encourage people to play with movement. Um, Sometimes we train like we I just came from the gym. I did a 24-minute HIIT training, which is high-intensity interval training. I had a limited amount of time. I got a a bunch of bands and a couple of weights, and I just got something done for 24 minutes. That's moving to train, to build strength, to build flexibility and agility. And then there's also moving to live. I mean, we here, I'm sitting here actually as we speak, Lisa, in my master bedroom, And I have no sheets on my bed because I'm doing laundry today. Going and making my bed is going to take some physical effort, like getting, doing housework, doing yard work, playing with your dog. This is movement. This is exercise. This is what our body is just, just yearning for. And then also moving to play. And how do you just play and forget about the steps and the calories and all that. How do you just move to enjoy playing? And um, so 
I think that when we can reclaim movement as one of our birthrights uh, and start to get back into that driver's seat again, we can start to enjoy our bodies and we'll probably start moving our bodies a lot more because there won't be that heavy uh, conditioned pattern or that shame around exercise. I love the idea of getting banishing the word exercise, that people feel an obligation and that they need to be doing it harder and better and faster. And so in all of these daily activity movements, where does mindfulness or presence come into that? Um, so what I'm thinking of is, let's say you're gardening or cleaning the bathroom, that these can be joyful movement where you're stretching, you're conscious, you're engaging your core, you're, you're noticing your body, you're, you're rejoicing in the fact that you are able to do these things. And um, how that just ties into really enjoying what you're doing all day long. Yeah, that's a, that's a really sweet question. Mindfulness is really just being aware. It's just paying attention, mm-hmm. right? It's just like Eckhart Tolle said, just be here now, right? Be present in the moment, you'll slow down time. Uh, when we have um, awareness around why we're moving, and it doesn't have to be some big goal that you check off on some to-do list. You know, why am I making going to make the bed later? You know, it's to have my my bed clean and my room clean. And, you know, so bringing intention into movement and of course, making the bed is just, you know, it's just one little example, but you can be more intentional about moving. Uh, I had my hip replaced six months ago and I know that I have to get up and move every, maybe every 40 minutes or so from my chair. And so I will get up and I will think, okay, right now I want to stretch my hips because I'm so grateful to have this new hip and I want to give it some blood flow and some, uh, you know, a little bit of of space. So let me get down on the floor for five or 10 minutes and stretch. And that way there's no um, other have tos around it. It can be just going out to walk your dog you know, this, now I'm going to take this next 15 minutes and I am going to walk my dog. I'm going to let him set the pace. I'm not going to put the headphones on. I'm just going to be present and watch, you know, what's happening around me in nature. This is how we can bring more richness into our experience instead of just getting on a treadmill with the headphones, you know, watching the video and, you know, reading the newspaper and doing five things at once and trying to just get through it. Right. And not having an intention or attention, sort of looking at the uh, timer on your treadmill going, okay, I only have four more minutes. Now I only have two more minutes. Um, That you're missing the, the possible joy in that activity. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I will say that there is so much to movement that impacts our mental health and our and our mental clarity, our mental fitness, if you will, um, that a lot of people, you know, think that there is this like garage door between your head and your body. And when we can start to realize that moving 
offers, you know, our, our brain nourishment, which then helps us to focus better and have more clarity and see life from a different perspective. It's, um, it just, it just makes everything we do um, more holistic. So Kara also worked with a dozen Division I sports teams and uh, individual athletes uh, in training mental fitness, or was there a sports psych aspect to that? Or tell me a little bit more about your, yeah, it's your wonderful collegiate I, athlete work. Yeah. Oh, I love that time. That was so much fun. So back in 2004, and that's almost 20 years ago. Oh, my ago, goodness. I know. I went into um, the locker room of the Villanova football, university football team, and um, the the team bought 90 mats and 90 straps, and we laid it all that all that equipment down. And I sat the guys down and I said, uh, "We're going to move slowly." I didn't call it yoga because that might have freaked them out back then. Because no teams, I mean, very few teams were doing yoga back then. And I said, "We're going to move our bodies and we're going to train our minds." And that's all you need to know. And uh, what I recognized, and I work with the team, both the football and the men's basketball team for almost 14 years, is that um, when you are when you want to train an athlete's mind, one of the best things you can do is get them moving their body because athletes are so embodied. I was an athlete, I was a professional athlete, and I know that I have my best thinking time, my best ahas when I'm moving my body. It doesn't have to be fast. And so back then, uh, there weren't any certified mental performance coaches or any of these certifications. There were probably a few. I'm sure that there were sports psychologists, especially around tennis and running, but uh, not so much at the collegiate level. So we, the coach and I decided to call my, me a mental strength coach. Um, but just because I am a certified uh, a CSCS, a certified strength and conditioning specialist, and athletes are used to having a strength coach, so we just decided to put the word mental in front of it, and there, there it was. I became their mental strength coach um, through a national championship for the football team, and the men's basketball team had a couple of uh, national championships as well, and it was just incredibly rewarding, and the guys would tell me, and I worked with most of the teams there at Villanova and then other schools as well, is that um, being in their body in a yoga pose and then being able to recognize their mental patterns, what was coming up for them in that moment, whether it be struggle, fear, doubt, um, very much uh, what would also come up for them during a game, a competition was really helpful. And again, it's just awareness. We were just building awareness around emotional patterns that happen during uh, everyday life, but then also during game time so that they can catch themselves during a game time situation and be able to shift much more quickly. Yeah, that those uh, issues, whether it's uh, the pressure or anxiety or fear that come up in competition, all those things come up in day-to-day -day life as well. And usually competition adds another layer of stress so that it seems like those are only coming up in 
uh, in games, and then uh, giving. I I love how uh, giving them that something that they are totally familiar with the movement part to connect them uh, to their thinking, um, and just allow them to access it mm, sort of through the back door. That something that they're comfortable with already, and then they can. Uh, get to another layer of understanding of themselves because it's very easy, especially I think maybe even more so for athletes because they start out being so focused on the physical training. I need to get all my fundamentals down so these are second nature and I can perform at the next level. And that the that what's going on mentally gets pushed aside. This is something you need to bury so that you can perform better when it's really quite the opposite. Yes, exactly. And as we know now, I mean, back then it was, it was very, very new, but we know now the mental training is that aspect that could make the difference in the game. I mean, the mental training, are, are the, their bodies are so physically fit, and we've got so much great physical training in the world these days, but the mental training uh, really could be the, the driver for whether or not they make the basket or not. So um, we know this now, but back then it was uh, much, much more elusive. Especially at, well, I'm going to say at collegiate and up levels, but maybe even before that, that all of those athletes have that capability. They're all, you know, all of the golfers on the PGA Tour could shoot a 69. But do they? And do they when it counts? And do they on a regular basis? And I feel like the difference between everyone is their mental fitness, that their mental game. So um, I work with athletes as well uh, on performance psychology and, and many of the same things that, uh, that we're talking about today. And I would love to encourage that if you're getting your kids into sports, that you start working on the mental fitness part right when you start working on the physical fitness part, because it's going to certainly help them in sports, but I think more importantly, outside of sports. Yes, I agree. I agree. And resiliency is is what it's about, right? So it's physical resiliency. We know now how important recovery time is when you are an athlete, uh, when you're a high performer of any type, pushing limits and edges all the time, you need to, you need to. Or, or you will burn out and break down. And it, the same goes for the mental aspect. I mean, that mental resiliency, the ability to bounce back, the ability to find your feet, find your ground. One of my favorite sayings that um, came out of working with the football team is, and I've used this with you know CEOs, is when you feel like you are starting to get very shaky mentally, you know, and a lot of times we kind of feel it in our eyes, get buggy, you know, um, find your feet and set your gaze. So I, I would say to the guys, feet planted, eyes steady. If you can just do that one thing, feet planted, because when you plant your feet and you feel your feet beneath you, if you can do that right now, if you're not driving, just press, you know, press your feet down into the ground. 
your feet are the lowest portion of your body. So it actually brings your attention from your busy mind or your stressed mind down to your the lowest part of your body. So you find your feet, feet planted, eyes steady. When we steady our gaze, and this is something that came out of the yoga tradition, you steady your gaze, it actually starts to steady your nervous system. Feet planted, eyes steady. Um, you know, even just for a few seconds can help you find your ground and find your home base once again. And again, that's changing the direction. You're you're getting your body to do things that will send messages to your mind saying, I'm grounded and steady. You know, instead of trying to force your mind to tell your body that you're grounded and steady, you just get grounded and steady, and then it lets your mind know, I'm okay. Kara, I know that you have other things you have to go do. Do we have a quick minute to talk about your other new project, this uh, uh, helping... Uh, women who are starting to go through menopause stay, uh, stay. I'm just going to say stay sane, because <laughs> because when uh, when I was there, I'm like, oh, I, I'm not buying into this. I don't, <laughs> I don't like any part of this. I want out. And you have put together uh, tools, resources, uh, actionable things that people can do to uh, make it through this transition uh, intact? Well, it's been really interesting. And I'm, I've been on TikTok doing this uh, just for a few months now. And it's amazing how many women are just literally in the dark. I mean, the education around the perimenopause, menopause cycle, which really is 10 to 15 years, um, is that the education is is just not there yet. And the research is not there yet. But what we do have and what we do know is that our brains are incredibly impacted during this time of hormonal rewiring. And a lot of women, including myself, I went through a, a couple of years of really deep brain fog. I didn't realize I was in until I was out of it. And so I am educating women on what the symptoms of menopause brain fog are because a lot of women think they're losing their mind. I mean, they think they're absolutely going bonkers. Uh, forgetfulness and insecurity, anxiety and uh, focus issues and verbal recall and memory recall. I mean, this is real. And uh, estrogen being the memory molecule is really impacting our the connections between you know in, in our brain so i am out there on TikTok educating people about the body brain connection the body mind connection and helping them understand they can do things to help offset this reorganization that can help them stay um clear and alert and, uh, and awake in their lives so I want I want you to share with people where they can find you and where they can get access to uh, to some of the wonderful things that you're doing. Well, the easiest place is just my website, carabradley.net. Uh, if you are on TikTok, I am at menopause mindset, having a lot of fun over there, and um, and and the other platforms as well. But I would say just start with my with my website and go from there. Okay. Then I, I want to ask one more question about the um, menopause mindset that are you, 
recommending? What, what's your opinion on uh, hormone replacement? I don't have an opinion because I didn't take any. So I, what I am encouraging women to do is uh, to change the way they exercise, the way they sleep, and to also look at their gut health and their gut brain health. That will help them to be clearer so that they can then go and advocate for themselves and learn more about whether or not um, hormone replacement or bioidentical hormones may be a choice for them. Because right, it really is individual, like all hormonal treatment that that for one person that's going to make a huge difference. Other people uh, for some counter indications can't take those. And some people just don't want to that that it's exactly. not that it's not our natural progression of things that uh, humans go through in life. Um, we could talk for a long time. <laughs> we could, and I'm uh, and today we don't have time, but I will I will uh, touch base with you soon. <laughs> okay, please do. Okay, take care. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 I'm going to close today with a tune by Gorillas called Clint Eastwood. sunshine in a bag I'm useless but not for long the future is coming on I ain't happy I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag I'm useless but not for long the future is coming on it's coming on it's coming on it's coming on it's coming on Finally, someone let me out of my cage Now, time for me is nothing cause I'm counting no A's Nah, I couldn't be there Nah, you shouldn't be scared I'm good at repairs And I'm under each snare Intangible Bet you didn't think so I command you to Panoramic view Look, I'll make it all manageable Pick and choose Sit and lose All you different crews Chicks and dudes Who you think is really kicking tunes Picture you getting down in a picture tube Like you lit the fuse You think it's fictional? Mystical? Maybe Spiritual hero who appears in you to clear your view when you're too crazy. Lifeless to those with definition for what life is. Priceless to you because I put you on the high and like it. Gun smoke, you're righteous with one toke. You're psychic among no possess you with one go. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless. Not for long, the future is coming on and happy. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless, but not for long, the future is coming on. It's coming on. It's coming on. It's coming on. It's coming on. The essence, the basics. Without it, you make it. Allow me to make this. Child like your nature, rhythm, you have it or you don't, that's a fallacy, I'm in them. Every sprouting tree, every child of peace, every cloud and sea. You see with your eyes and see destruction and demise, corruption in the skies from this enterprise. Now I'm sucked into your lives through rust, so not as muscles, but percussion to provide. But me as a guide, y'all can see me now because you don't see with your eye. You perceive with your mind, that's the end. Line. So I'ma stick around with rust and be a mentor. Bust a few rounds, so motherfucker from Remember what the thought is I brought all this so you could survive When law is lawless right Feeling sensations that you thought was dead No squealing, remember that it's all in your head I ain't happy I'm feeling 